The gospel changes everything. The turning point in history. And even now it's changing me. From who I was. The story of my Savior calls me to the wonder of the cross. The gospel changes everything. And it is changing me. The gospel changes everything. The turning point in history. And even now it's changing me.
I'm so thankful for the gospel. It truly changes everything. Praise the Lord for salvation. I'm so glad to know that I'm on my way to heaven. There's a lot of people in the world today that don't believe that you can know. I'm thankful that the word of God makes it very plain that we can know and be on our way to heaven and have a peace of knowing 100% sure that we're on our way to heaven. I praise the Lord for that. Great song, Lena. Thank you so much for the, that song, Love the Words. I want you to take your Bible, if you would. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Before we get into the preaching, I just want to say thank you to all the hard work that went into this past week. Vacation Bible School was a great success. Uh, we had on average about 59 workers each night. We had nine children come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior this past week. Praise the Lord. Amen. Yeah, let's give a hand to that. I think that's something to be excited about. Praise the Lord. If you can't get excited about people getting saved, there's something wrong. I'll tell you what. That means those children came and heard the gospel, and it changed everything in their life. They went from not knowing for sure they're on the way to heaven and, 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 and literally coming to the place of knowing about God's love and being born again. And I praise the Lord for that. And so what a, what a wonderful week it was. Thank you so much for all the hard work. And it was great to be able to work with, with you folks. And uh, also, thank you. Uh, we have uh, several that are here today. Thank you for joining us here today on our Sunday services. I appreciate you allowing your young people to come to Vacation Bible School. And it's great to have you back today. And I'm excited about later in the service, we're going to be having a baptismal service as well. We've got several young people that are going to be following the Lord in believers' baptism. And so what a great day it is, but I praise the Lord for it. And so look, if you found your place there, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, just hold it there for just a moment. We'll come back to that in just a minute. Today I want to kick off and I want to, I want to begin a series, a short series, um, to challenge us with this, to not be deceived, to not be deceived. And it's interesting as we think about this, the thought process that goes behind this series is this. As we approach the end times, as we get to the time before the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come back, there is a major event that's going to occur that many Christians today are not even thinking about. Many churches today aren't even preaching about it. But there is truly, the Word of God tells us there's going to be something major that happens before the Lord Jesus Christ returns. Before the rapture of the church, there's going to be a major event that takes place, and we see it. And I'm going to read the verse to you. I'll show you on the screen. But 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3 says this. Now listen to what it says. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come. It's talking about the return, the rapture, except there come a falling away first. And that man, that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. We talk about the Antichrist coming. We talk about the son of perdition. We talk about what's uh, going to be coming when, uh, for the, the, the seven years of tribulation. But the Bible tells us here there's going to be a great falling away. There's going to be a great time with people. It says that they're going to be deceived and there's going to be a time of a great falling away. The word of God tells us that's going to happen. You don't hear a lot about that. And so I, I truly believe it's important that we understand before the end comes, there must be a time of deception and a great falling away from the, the true church of Jesus Christ. 
Many people that go to church, many people that are Christians, there's going to be a great deception. There's going to be a great falling away. You know, we, we talk about how the Lord could come back at any moment. And yes, you know what? I believe the Lord could come back to rapture the church at any moment. I believe it could happen at any time. And if he's going to come back at any moment, then that means that there's going to be, prior to that time, a great falling away, a great deception that's going to happen. And so it's important that we identify that. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be part of that falling away. I don't want to be be, uh, tripped into that deception before the Lord Jesus Christ comes back to rapture the church. You all understand what I'm talking about. So how could that happen? How could there be a great falling away? Could it possibly be a great falling away of people within even this church? Could there be a great falling away and people being deceived even right now in this place? Is there a great falling away and deception that's happening even with our young people? You know, I'm kind of going through some stages of life, and I've got some similarities with several of you. You've got some kids now that they grew up, and now they're away from home, and now they're kind of graduating on the next step of life. They've got their own kids. And you start to see things in a little bit different light. And they start to see things in a little bit different light. And there's a lot of challenges that go through those transitions and things like that. And you, you ask yourself the question, you know, could it be my grandkids that would be part of that great deception? Could it even be my kids? Could it be us? It's so important because the Word of God is very clear here. There's no question about it. It says that let no man deceive you by any means. There's going to be many that are going to be deceived. It's a warning here for us is what it is. We talk about the Lord coming back. Man, I'm looking forward to it. There's going to be a rapture happening, and I believe it's soon. But you know what? I want to be very careful that I'm not deceived. I don't fall for the trap. There are a lot of traps out there. We're going to talk about some of them today. But I I want for us to spend the next few weeks. And today I want to kick this off with talking about the subject of the fact that we can even deceive ourselves. We can deceive ourselves. This attack comes. And it's something that can be from the inside. Yes, there's attacks on the outside. Yes, the world is attacking all the time. Yes, there's all kinds of things the devil is throwing at us. And there's attacks from the outside trying to deceive us and trying to lead us away. But the truth is, we can also be attacked from the inside and deceive even our own selves. And sometimes the sad truth is, we don't even see it. We need to be made aware of it. We need to be challenged with it. It's important that we do a self-evaluation. I mean, let me just... uh, uh, kind of challenge you to think about this for a moment. The fact that we can deceive ourselves. Have you ever told yourself a lie and talked yourself into believing it? Be honest. Have you ever told yourself a lie and talked yourself into believing it? I mean, you you talk yourself, there's something you know is absolutely not right, yet you'll talk yourself into doing it because you'll lie to yourself and you believe that lie, you'll deceive your own self. I can remember growing up as a child, I mean, young person, at times there was things where... I know this is wrong, but I'm going to go ahead and do it because I want to do it. You end up talking yourself into doing it, and then you go and do it. You deceived yourself into it. You literally walked into something you knew you shouldn't do, but you deceived yourself and did it anyways. Have you ever seen your friends doing something and you knew it was wrong, but you said, well, they're doing it, so I'm going to go ahead and do it, and you talk yourself into go ahead and doing it. Many of us have been faced with things like that. I don't believe there's probably anybody here that hasn't faced that in their life. 
I think it's something that's it's a thing that we've got to be very careful of. Self-deception. Self-deception. So as we approach this great falling away that must occur before Christ returns, I'm afraid that there's many, many Christians who will be self-deceived. Within their hearts, they deceive themselves. They rationalize it. I mean, they might have grown up in a Christian home and they were taught right from wrong. and Not a, a perfect home, by the way. But they grew up in that Christian home and they were taught these things and they, they get out and they start to get their freedoms in the world. They start to rationalize. Well, this person says this and that person says this. And you know what? It's okay. Let's just go ahead and do this. Deceiving themselves. Self-deceived. I believe many Christians are in that today. And it truly is a sign of the times. It's a sign of what we're literally, as we're looking for the Lord's return, it's something the Bible says is going to happen. And it has to happen. That doesn't mean it should happen for me, though. It doesn't mean it should happen for you. It just means that's what the world is going to be like and the things that are going to happen before the Lord comes to rapture the church. So today we're going to look at one of those ways that we can deceive ourselves. And I want us to look, to look there at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Go ahead and open it there once again and stand if you would. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, look at verse number 18. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. Verse 18, Let no man deceive himself. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. Lord, we thank You today for challenging us. Lord, I pray that You would speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray that we would not be deceived. Lord, I pray that we'd be faithful. Lord, that we would not be led astray by ourselves, our own way of thinking, the old sinful nature. Lord, I thank you so much for allowing us to know you. And thank you for salvation. Thank you for the songs we've been able to sing and praise unto you and what you've done for us and how you've saved us, forgiven us. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts now. Help us to be strong. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The first point I want us to look at today is this. And let's just make sure everybody understands this important truth. And it's this. You can deceive yourself spiritually. You can deceive yourself spiritually. One of the dangers that we fall into as a Christian, we say, well, you know what? I've seen it happen with that person. I've seen it happen with that person. I've seen, well, those people, they went astray, but it would never happen to me. <laughs> Pride cometh before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall is what the Bible says. But for the grace of God, there go I. We need to understand and identify the fact that we are capable and can deceive ourselves spiritually. It's something that we must be on guard for. It is something that we need to make sure that we are making sure that our mind is clear. I'm talking about spiritually now. Make sure that we are doing what God tells us to do. We see it right here in this verse, in verse number 18. Notice it again. It says, let no man deceive himself. Don't deceive yourself. Now, if he says that, that must be obviously the fact that it can happen, right? Of course. 
And I say to you as the pastor here at Lighthouse, and obviously as your pastor and friend, I'm saying, hey, listen, don't be deceived. Don't, certainly don't be deceived by yourself. Understand it can happen. It, it, it does happen. It is happening right now in the world we live in today. Many are deceiving themselves spiritually. Paul makes it clear here, though, it can happen. He doesn't say it might happen. He didn't say it possibly could happen. He, definitely, it can happen. You can deceive yourself spiritually. Every one of us, it, every person in this room can be deceived spiritually, and you can deceive yourself. So how is that possible? It's interesting what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 17, 9, a very familiar verse. Many of you probably know this verse. And it, it really tells us that our heart can turn on us. And Jeremiah, he says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You see what he's saying there? The heart is deceitful above what? Help me out. All things. Now, let's think about this for a moment. Who is the father of lies? Say, the devil is. That's what the Word of God says. He's the father of lies. And yet, the Word of God in Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things. Now, that's strong, isn't it? You think about that for a moment. You know, oftentimes the devil, yeah, he's a deceiver. There's no doubt. We'll be talking about that. There's no question about it. We've got to start here with number one, though. The biggest problem we've got in life right now is this right here, our heart. It's, it's desperately wicked, deceitful above all things. It's deceiving. That old flesh is so deceiving. That old heart wants what it wants and it tries to deceive us. And, and it's more deceitful than the devil himself. It's more deceitful than anybody in your life. It's more deceitful than anything. Your heart is deceitful above all things is what the Bible is talking about here. You know, the devil, he does attack. And yes, we might be on guard for the attack of the devil. But many times we have been taught about guarding ourselves against the devil. And we're, it's like we know that's coming. We know that that's there. We know, you know, the Bible talks about putting on the whole armor of God. And we ought to put on the whole armor. And we are like, oh boy, the devil's trying to attack and trying to... But you know what? We need to be very careful and understand that the main enemy that we have in life, yes, the devil is one of them, but it's that old heart. It's ourself. It's the old sinful nature. Unfortunately, many Christians today very seldom are on guard against the thing that is most deceitful in their life, and that's their heart. On guard, guarding yourself spiritually, being very careful that our heart is not what leads us. Well, this is just the way I feel. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what, that gets you in a whole lot of trouble real fast, folks. Well, I, I feel like it's just, it's Okay. Okay, I'm glad you feel that way, but that's not an indicator of whether it's right or wrong. (laughs) How I feel is not significant when it comes to what's right and wrong. Where do we get truth from? Where do we get what's absolute right and what's absolutely wrong? Where does it come from? It comes from the Word of God. And if God's Word says something is wrong... Thank you, Brother Harold. I appreciate that. If God's Word says something is wrong... Let's try it again. Would you all help me out just a little bit here? If God's Word says something is wrong, all right, amen. Now, do we really believe that? Well, it's a question about what you do then. The problem is many people today, they'll hear the Word of God. They have been taught the Word of God. 
When the time comes in their life, when they've got to make the decision whether they'll obey the Word of God, they'll say, but you know what I feel? (laughs) Yeah. It's not about what you feel. The heart is desperately wicked. It's deceitful. It'll lead you astray. That old sinful nature you've got. Listen, there's a war that's raging within every one of us. Hey, listen, the moment I came to know Christ as my personal Savior, the Holy Spirit of God came within me and took up residence. And I've got that new man. But you know what? That old man is still there. There's a battle that rages. Paul, he speaks a whole lot about it. I love Romans chapter 6, speaks a whole lot about it. But I'll tell you what, there's a battle that rages. And unfortunately, sadly to say, there are many people today that are deceiving themselves and they are feeding the flesh, feeding the flesh, feeding the flesh. And their heart says they want to go do this. Hey, listen, mom and dad said it was wrong. Grandpa and grandma said it was wrong. Hey, and listen, Christianity as a whole has been saying it's wrong for hundreds of years. But all of a sudden, you've been enlightened. Now it's okay. Because your heart says, well, what's really wrong with it? I'm just going to go do it. Are you all with me today? Now, listen, if there's something that, that we do is just because it's tradition and you can't find book, chapter, and verse or a principle from the Word of God saying it's wrong, things can change. I get it. It's like Grandma, she used to make, I'm just, this is an illustration, not my grandma, but I heard of a family. Grandma used to make a ham, and they would always cut both ends off, and they would cook the ham. And great-grandma, they always cut both ends off, and they would cook the ham the same way. And it passed down from generation to generation. And finally, one granddaughter says, Grandma, why do we cut both ends off? And she says, well, I think because grandma's pan was too small and she had to cut both ends off to get it to fit. So there are some things that things change. There's circumstances that cause certain things the way you do them. All right? We understand that. But you know what? There are some things that are principles that are absolute truths from the Word of God that will never change. And they ought not be a matter of, well, I feel. There are absolutes from the Word of God, and we cannot just excuse them. And, and you know what? I would say this. I will say this. If there is some tradition that your family has held, I'm talking about spiritual now, as your church has held, that Christianity as a whole has held for a very long time, you ought to be very careful before you just throw it out the window. You all with me? You understand what I'm saying, right? We ought to be very careful before you just throw it out the window. I'm not talking about change. I'm not talking about um, the ways of reaching people. I'm not talking about that at all. But I'm talking about when people start to rationalize in their heart. And what I'm seeing in our society today as a whole, there's a great number of churches and Christians today that are being deceived. And there are pastors today that are deceiving in their own hearts. And they talk about this whole thing of liberty. Well, I'm thankful for liberty, aren't you? Liberty means I've been set free from the bondage of sin and no longer am bound to have to sin. Yeah. And there's a lot of people today that they have been deceived and they're deceiving themselves. And, and I see a pattern that is happening. And it's, it's really, it, it, really it, it's, it's, it concerns me greatly. And people are deceiving themselves. They think, well, if I think it's okay, it should be okay. Now, that being said, we ought to make sure that we know what the Word of God says and, and believe what we believe based on the Word of God. I know we can swing both ways. Be careful, though, with using somebody swinging the wrong direction for you to swing the other direction in the wrong way as well. Let me give you an example. Back in the 1970s, kind of crazy stuff, I remember hearing preaching against pink shirts. Now, if you don't know what the laughing is about, Brother Matt Owen thinks it's ungodly for a man to wear a pink shirt. 
Unmanly. Oh, okay, unmanly, not ungodly, okay. I don't have a problem with wearing a pink shirt. I really don't. Now, they would preach about funny stuff like that. They were, I'm not saying every, every preacher, but some would. Some would preach against wire-rimmed glasses. Because there was an association at the time with rebellion for some. Remember both sides of the hand being cut off? There's a time when perhaps it had an indication of something. And when I went to Bible college, you couldn't have facial hair. It's a good thing because I can't grow facial hair anyway, so I was good. <laughs> but why did they do it? At that time, it was because it was the, for a long time it associated that with the hippie movement. And not only that, being clean and cut, it was just a matter of that. It wasn't because of, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Now, does that mean that facial hair is wrong? No, of course not. So that's not something I'm talking about right now as far as you can look in the Word of God and it says, Thou shalt not have facial hair. No. Well, you understand what I'm trying to say. So there's some things that are like that. that, Okay, so, all right, it's okay to have wire-rimmed glasses today. It doesn't have any association with anything. It's fine. Having facial hair, if you could grow it, you could have facial hair. It's good. Nothing wrong with that. Um, why am I even saying all that? Because there's some people that will look at something like that that was really kind of pushing the envelope in that direction, and they'll swing all the way over here and say, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart, so therefore the outward appearance doesn't mean anything. They'll, they'll make a swing from something like that, and they'll start saying it's okay to do things that are contrary to the Word of God. I mean, absolutely contrary. And they'll, they'll rationalize it in their heart. And they'll deceive themselves. And they'll say things like, well, they told me that was absolute, but it wasn't. So therefore, you can't tell me anything. Well, the Word of God is absolute. The Word of God is still true. And so uh, today, listen, I'm going to really challenge you to not be a person that is deceived by your own heart when it comes spiritual. You know, there are a lot of other people that get deceived by other things. Now, that, that was just an example of, of some things that have happened in the past with different churches. And I wanted to use it kind of an illustration so that we understand. I've seen it happen. I've seen young people that were underneath such great, um, so many rules and regulations that once they got released from that, they went crazy. There needs to be a proper balance. When I say rules and regulations, I'm talking about stuff above and beyond what the Word of God says. I'm talking about living in a very ritualistic or some would call legalistic. Of course, some would crucify me for that because they would say legalism means that you're earning your salvation. No, they were doing all that just to please God. And when they got set free from that, they realized those things had nothing to do with pleasing God. It had everything to do with pleasing man. So there's, there's a proper balance here. And people deceive themselves going both ways. I don't want to be deceived. I'm trying, I want to live a balanced life where the Word of God is the absolute truth, and I'm not swinging one way or the other because of what other people did or do. I want to do what the Word of God says. And it's not just Christian people that are self deceived. You know, there are people today that are self deceived even when it comes to the area of salvation. I mean, don't raise your hand, but have you ever known somebody that says, I know I'm going to heaven because I was born into a Christian family? That's spiritual self-deception because that's contrary to the Word of God. Just being born in a Christian home doesn't make you a Christian. You have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. A time in your life when you yourself were born again. That means that you came to a place of understanding and believing that the Word of God is true, that there is none righteous, no, not one, that, that you don't do right all the time, that, they, that for all have sinned, that you've sinned, that you've broken God's law. 
And you believe the Word of God when it says that for the wages of sin is death. That's where death comes from, is it because of sin? A time and a place in your life when you realize that. For me, man, I was five years old many years ago. That's why when I see kids get saved at Vacation Bible School, I say, praise the Lord. It's not just kids getting saved. It's better than a person that's been around on earth for 50 years, living like the world that finally comes to know Christ. These are kids that got saved young. Praise the Lord. They've got the rest of their life to live for God. I praise the Lord for that. I got saved at five years old and I realized I was a sinner. I believed that Jesus died for me. He paid my sin debt. That's why He hung on Calvary's cross. And I believed in my heart. I confessed with my mouth. I believed Jesus died for me, that He rose again. I, through prayer, I asked Him to come into my heart, forgive me of my sin. And you know what? He did. He forgave me of my sins. You have to have a personal relationship. You've got to go back. You know, Jesus, he said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't be saved unless you've been born again. You've got a birth date physically. You know what date it is? They ask you it all the time. And I was in the hospital, and every five seconds, what's your birth date? What's your birth date? What's your birth date? Yeah, listen, do you have a spiritual birth date? I ask you today, do you know Christ as your personal Savior? There are a lot of people that are spiritually deceived and they deceive themselves thinking they're going to heaven because they were born in a Christian family. There are some that are spiritually deceived because they think that because they're some part of some denomination or part of some church that they're going to heaven. Hey, listen, you being a member of Lighthouse Baptist Church is not what's going to get you into heaven, folks. It's by knowing Christ as your personal Savior. It's being born again. Deceiving yourself. Some people think, well, I can be good enough. Hey, listen, you can't be because all it takes is one sin for you to be a sinner. All it takes is one time lying and you're a liar. One time stealing and you're a thief. All it takes is one sin. And the Bible says that for the wages of sin is death. Sin brings death. One time. People deceive themselves. Well, I'm, good. I'm better than that person. Now, you might be better than that person, but that's not, the, that's not what you compare yourself to. You've got to compare yourself to perfection because that's what's required. And there's nobody that's perfect. There's none righteous, no, not one. Nobody that does right all the time. Every one of us, we fall short of God's glory. When we sin, we're missing the mark. We fall short of God's glory. No matter how good you try to be, you can't be good enough. You might try to convince yourself of that, but that's a lie. You're deceiving yourself. The only way you can be saved is by trusting in the one that was perfect. That was Jesus Christ. He lived a life of absolute perfection. The Bible says he was tempted in all points as we are and was yet without sin. And yet he died on Calvary's cross for you and for me. Don't deceive yourself into thinking that everything is okay if you've not trusted in Christ as your Savior. Many people, they are deceiving themselves, and there's so many different ways. And we can talk about a person that's saved being deceived, and young people that have grown up in a good Christian home, and they trust in Christ their Savior, and young. And as they make decisions in life, they start to say, well, I think, and they start to use, well, I don't feel convicted about it. Hey, listen, your, your, your heart is deceitful. It, it's wicked. It's more deceiving than anything else. It can trick you. Just because you don't feel conviction about it doesn't mean it's okay. If the Word of God is against it, it's wrong. Trust the Word of God, not your heart. Number two, world education conflicts with God. Now, that doesn't mean I'm against science. True science doesn't disagree with God. True science does not disagree with God. Proper education is good Education is fine. I'm talking about worldly education. It conflicts with God. 
Listen, don't be deceived. The more mankind becomes educated to the things of this world, there's a tendency to neglect the Word of God. There's a tendency to deny the Word of God. I've seen it again and again and again. Look at verse number 18 once again. Notice what it says there. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. You know, it's amazing the discoveries that have happened over the last hundred years. Some of you have been around a little longer than others. Brother Harold, he had his 85th birthday this, was this past week, on the 26th, I think. 85 years old, man, praise the Lord. Imagine what Harold has seen in his lifetime. And some of you have been around a long time. You've seen a lot. of. I've seen enough. I'm only 52 years old. The things I've seen in my lifetime. The year I was born, man walked on the moon. I mean, can you imagine? Uh, man has, has gone so, there's so many things that, that as far as knowledge, I'm talking about uh, world knowledge, it's expanded beyond. You think about computers nowadays. I mean, I've got this in my cell phone right here. I mean, right here, this computer is more powerful than anything they had 20 years ago. Just in my palm of my hand. I like to watch Star Trek. Any Star Trek fans in here? I love Star Trek. I enjoy it. My wife doesn't like it because I watch too much Star Trek. I enjoy it. But you know what's funny? Is when you see them in Star Trek, now you watch it. It's a little antiquated, isn't it? They get their tablets out. And their tablets are like, you know, big and chunky like this. And it's like some super futuristic thing. Those of you that watch Star Trek, you know what I'm talking about. I just sit there and kind of laugh. I'm thinking to myself, man... That stuff is old school. We should be flying to the stars by now, you know, because our tablets are much smaller than that. You know, you got this phone that's so powerful, and you watch things like that, and it's just amazing how quickly knowledge has increased. By the way, by the way, that's a sign of the times as well. Knowledge has increased in the last hundred years. You, you see, going from a, a a a buggy to a car, and now we have electric vehicles. That you shouldn't tow anything with because you can't get very far, right? I mean, we, but, you know, it's not going to be long and they're going to have a thousand mile range on those things. And as, as if things continue to progress the way that they have. And now self-driving cars. How many of y'all would like a self-driving vehicle? Raise your hand. All right. No, not too many people. I mean, the idea of it sounds kind of nice. I'd like to take a nap while I'm driving. My wife says I do anyway, but, you know. <laughs> You know, you know, self. You look at what's going on with the, the technology and how it's advancing. And yet, think about this: even though man, you have to say today, has much more worldly smarts than they did back in the 1700s. Look what has changed as well. Look what else has changed in the last hundred years. I mean, let me give you an example. I say 1700s because if you go back to the beginning of our country and you go back to the beginning of even the public school system in this country, you know what they use as one of the textbooks within the classroom? It's right here, right here. They use the Word of God. I've talked about this on July the, the, the 3rd. We talked about how that the, the, the primers that they used and they actually used the ABCs, they, they used verses from the Word of God. Want to do some diagramming? Open up Psalm 23. Let's diagram it. By the way, it's really cool to diagram Scripture. I would encourage if you're into English at all and you like diagramming, go diagram some verses. It's amazing. Go diagram Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9 and tell me what grace is. It's an interesting. It's called homiletical grammar for those of you that enjoy stuff like that. You're like, I hate that stuff. It's It's cool. But diagramming. They used to look in the Word of God. The Word of God was, was a foundational teaching tool for the children in this country. Now, what do you have? I mean, teachers nowadays, they, many of them are afraid to bring their Bible to, to school 
By the way, praise the Lord for those Supreme Court hearings that we've had the last month. Praise the Lord for a, a coach that can pray on the field and exercise his First Amendment rights. Praise the Lord for that. But you know, a lot of people, they're afraid to bring the Bible to school. And you know what's even worse than that is a lot of teachers today, not all, but a lot of teachers today are teaching there is no God. Went from in a country where we used to use the Bible and it was an accepted thing that people believed that there was a God. And nowadays people are so smart, there's no God. Now you think about how foolish that is. Romans chapter 1 has a lot to say about that. People have a reprobate heart. People are worshiping the creature more than the creator. People are worshiping Mother Earth. Where did they get that from? You look at the environmentalists, the situation we live in today, all of this is self-deceit. And where does it come from? Worldly knowledge and teaching. Worldly schooling. We need to understand that the world is going to teach and the the teaching of the world. You know, um, many people, what's happening today, it's putting a great challenge on believers it's not just unsaved people that go to school and hear these things. It's, it's people that are saved. And if we're not careful, if we're not, if we, we're not making sure that our heart is right, if we're not making sure that we're basing the decisions of what is right and wrong from the Word of God, if we're not careful to make sure that we're studying the Word of God and teaching the Word of God to our children, hey, listen, if we're not careful, it's going to be just a little bit. We start making these things like, well, you know what? I feel it's okay. And you start making this step. And you, you deceive yourself in your own heart. And you start stepping a little further over here. And you start going a little bit over there. And you, and you, you know what? Meanwhile, you're getting all this education from the world and all this inundation of indoctrination from the world. And before you know it, you know what? All of a sudden our hearts begin to tell you, do you really believe that Jonah was swallowed by a great fish? I mean, who could be swallowed by a great fish and live and three days and three nights in the belly of that whale, as Jesus said? I mean, do you really believe that? I mean, do you really believe that Jesus died for your sins? Oh, come on. He rose again the third day? Please. Now, listen, you say, no, that could never happen to me. I've known devout Christians. I'm talking about people that were sold out for God that began to deceive their own self. They began to rationalize things. They began to take a little step here, and they began to get a little education over here, and it started to inundate their minds. And before you know it, they were enlightened. And now all of a sudden, listen, this word of God, this, this isn't really truth. This, this is just a bunch of men that sat down and wrote this. It, it's, it's, it's not infallible. It's filled with errors. Huh. Hath God said? If you know what I'm talking about, you know exactly where I'm going. Back to the Garden of Eden when the devil, the very first thing he did was to question the word of God. You know what's sad? It's not just in the public universities today. It's in the seminaries. It's in the Bible colleges. Professors are getting up and teaching that the Word of God is not infallible, that it's filled with errors. Now, they might have more degrees behind their name. <laughs> they, they might be people, as far as intelligence goes, their IQ is way beyond mine. And you're, you're all like, yeah, we understand that. I mean, that wouldn't take much. I would agree with you. But I just, simple, I just would like to simply believe that God is big enough to preserve His Word Amen. and believe that God will keep His Word for me and that God, He has given me His Word. Now that doesn't, that, that's not an excuse for ignorance, by the way. I'm not talking about... But we ought to have godly knowledge, godly wisdom. 
I'm talking about we ought to make sure that where our wisdom and knowledge is coming from is not from something that's going to cause us to be deceived. Hmm. 1 Corinthians 8 verse 1 says this, Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. In other words, knowledge produces arrogance, but love builds up. Knowledge produces arrogance, but love builds up. That's what the Word of God tells us. Knowledge is not the answer. Man's knowledge is not the answer. And so we're going to have to fight with everything in us to hang on to the biblical beliefs as this world increasingly neglects the things of God that will become the way of the world. It's going to happen. It's happening right now, folks. We need to take a stand and not be deceived by it. So the question is, are you going to side with the world or with Jesus? What are you going to believe? Thirdly, don't be deceived. God wins in the end. Don't be deceived. The truth is going to come forth, folks. God is going to win in the end. And no matter what my heart tells me, I want to be on God's winning team. No matter how my heart tries to pull me away, I'm not going to listen to that. I want to be on God's winning team. Look at verse 19 there. Notice what it says. It's for the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. You know, when you look at that verse, you can't help but think of, uh, when I look at it, I think of some type of sporting competition where there's a winner and there's a loser. All right, look at it from that perspective. The wisdom of this world and the wisdom of God. You've got a winner. You've got a loser. And, and, you know, here we see that the world thinks that they're going to win. They think that they're so smart. And they think that you're so crazy because you believe in God. They say, if you don't believe in science, and yet they, they, they twist science so bad. You know what? Their science they twist takes more faith to believe in than believing that there is a creator that created everything we see. They twist it. But you can mark it down. There's going to be right. There's going to be wrong. Somebody's right and somebody's wrong. Something is true and something's a lie. And there's going to be a winner and there's going to be a loser. People use mind and they think, you know, think about this for a moment. Using your mind and your thoughts. Have you ever thought yourself into making the wrong decision? You ever done that? Think about it with me. I could remember doing that all the time in a test in school. You, you sit down and you go to take the test and you start to write the answer. You immediately think in your mind you have the answer and then you go to write it down and you go, wait, wait, wait. And you start to hyperthink it. And then you start to question And when you put down then that third question that comes to mind, it ends up being the wrong answer. The the right answer was the first one that came to mind. You literally, you thought yourself into making a wrong decision. And I'm afraid that's exactly what's going to happen concerning people's relationship with Jesus Christ. People are going to outsmart themselves from the right answer of Jesus and go with the wrong answer that the world, that the world is right. They're going to go after that. And our hearts are going to tell us everyone else is going with the world's answer. Why don't you go too? And literally at that point, you've outsmarted yourself. You made a decision based on your thinking, based on your heart, not based on the Word of God. I'm thankful that the Word of God is very simple and to understand when we look at it, we can understand what God is saying here in these verses. I don't think it's hard to understand what verse 19 says, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. I see it all around us. And I'm so thankful that, yes, there is a winning side. I'm thankful also that as a child of God, I'm on the winning side. 
You know, in real life, people get excited about being on the winning team. You ever been on that bandwagon? I've been a Lions fan my whole life. I've never been on the bandwagon of being on a living t- uh, winning team. Never. Yesterday, I saw this guy with a boat, and he had a flag flying off his boat of the Lions. That, that is a devoted fan. He is deceiving himself. I'm telling you right now. Some of you are like, I don't know who the Lions are. Good, that's fine. But I can tell you this. I see people get involved in competition. I saw the kids get involved in competition. And man, they wanted to be on the winning side. We'd say, who's going to win, the blue team? And they'd all scream. <laughs> they get so excited. Hey, folks, whose team are you on and which team is going to win? I'm on the winning side, and we're on the right side. And when I can tell you this, listen, if you will guard your heart, if you allow your decision to be made from the Word of God, if you will do it the way God says to do it, you can't lose. The best life you'll ever live is living a, a Christian, following the Word of God. The best life you could ever be living as a, as a child of God, as a, as a mom or a dad, as a young person, following the, the principles and the truth of the Word of God, and knowing, hey, listen, the Lord is coming back. And yes, there's a lot of people that are being deceived, but we don't have to be deceived. You don't have to be on the losing side. You can choose to do right and follow the Word of God. And I'm so thankful today... That we can trust the Word of God. We can trust God. God has made it possible for us to know Him. God wants you to know Him. God wants you to know how to live your life. God wants for us to live a life that's wholly acceptable unto God, which, by the way, is our reasonable service. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed as we pray. Lord, we thank You for loving us. Lord, thank You so much for Your Word. Thank you for allowing us, Lord, to be able to know truth, to be able to hold it in our hands and read it. Help us to understand it. Help us to apply it to our life. Not misapply, but apply it properly. Lord, I pray that you would challenge our hearts today. Lord, challenge us to think about how you're speaking to us. Lord, I pray that you'd reveal whether we're being deceived Lord, we'd not allow our hearts to be the reason why we don't or do what we do. Lord, that we would decide that we're going to allow your word to be the final authority for our life. Lord, I pray that we today would look down inside our hearts and make sure we're not deceiving ourselves about whether we're going to heaven or not, whether we have a personal relationship, whether we've been born again. Lord, speak to our hearts their heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to talk to you just for a moment. Do you know Christ as your personal Savior? Has there been a time and a place in your life when you were born again? Can you look back to that time when you were born into God's family? When you realized you were a sinner, realized that you needed a Savior, and you believed Jesus Christ died for you, that he rose again the third day and he was victorious for you. He paid your sin debt. And by faith, you trusted in him as your personal savior. You can look back to that time and you say, yes, I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. I'm trusting in what Christ did for me. I know that he paid my sin debt. I've been born again. If that's your testimony today, you say, yes, I have that peace. I know I'm going to heaven. Would you lift your hand up high? Say, yes, I know I'm saved. God bless me. Put your hands down. Listen, you might be here this morning. You don't have that peace. It might be the thought of where you'll spend eternity brings doubt, fear, 
Let me ask you, where will you spend eternity? The world tries to say there is no such thing. It's just you die and that's it. Yet that's not what the Word of God says. The Word of God says we're going to spend eternity in one of two places. We'll either be separated from God eternally in a place called hell, or we'll be in heaven. What if this was your last day? Where would you go? You might be here this morning and say, Preacher, I'll be honest right now, I don't know. I don't have that peace. Listen, I'd like to pray for you today. I'd like for God to speak to your heart. And I want to invite you right there where you're seated, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And you say, yes, I don't know. I don't have that peace. Would you just slip your hand up right now? Could I pray for you? I won't call you out. I won't embarrass you. You say, I don't have that peace. Christian, would you just pray and say, God, please help me not be deceived. Would you make a determination that you're not going to allow your heart to make decisions, but you're going to allow the word of God? You say, well, I'm not being deceived. Would you just pray and say, God, help me to see it? Would you study the word of God? Has God spoken to your heart? There's some things that perhaps you never used to do, but now they seem to be okay. What's changed? Was it because they were not wrong before? There's places you go, there's things you do. What's changed? You've certainly been enlightened. Your eyes have been opened now. You've been set free from the bondage. Or have you been deceived? Would you just pray and say, Lord, I truly want for you to show me. Lord, help me see truth. Would you make a commitment that the word of God will be the final authority for your life? In just a moment, I want to invite you. I just invite you to come to the altar. Say, Lord, help me see truth. You say, well, I'm not even struggling with anything. Everything's good. Well, just come and say, Lord, help me see truth. Make a commitment. The Bible says there's going to be a a great falling away. There's going to be those that are deceived. Before the Lord returns to rapture the church, it's going to happen. Could it be you? Would you ask God to show you the truth? Lord, I pray that you'd move in this invitation. Lord, speak to our hearts, challenge us. Help us to see the truth. Lord, I pray for those that are here this morning that don't have the peace of knowing that they're on their way to heaven. Lord, I pray they would come and receive you today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I invite